Hello and welcome to the third edition of the Swing Smarter Monthly Newsletter. This is your host, Joey Myers, and today, on today's call, I have Perry Husband, who is the author, founder, CEO, hittingisaguest.com. He, for those readers out there who know Perry, know that he's the father of effective velocity and this idea that reaction time and timing how if a pitcher uses it against a hitter, especially with all these hitting coaches that are teaching an adjustable swing and a one-swing-fits-all uh, pitches, that it can be, Perry's system can be very disruptive to that, and that's what we're going to be really digging into in this call. So welcome, welcome to Swing Smarter Monthly Newsletter, Perry. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, looking forward to catching up with you, man. Yeah, no, it's been a while. Well, hey, I wanted to ask you, I know you've been really busy uh, pre-pandemic and, and during kind of, like you said, in different ways, uh, but you're training pitchers and hitters, but mostly pitchers in the way of effective velocity. And we're talking soft, fast pitch softball and hardball, baseball. Uh, what is the biggest mistake you see a lot of hitting coaches make uh, nowadays when you take your pitchers and you train against it? What's the biggest mistake? Well, I mean, the whole idea that launch angle is a verb is <laughs> <laughs> one of those things that makes me crazy. But, I, you know, and, and what I mean by that is um, hitting instructors and, and or analytic guys that are pretty sure that hitters can just control it. <laughs> you know, like we're going to go out and launch angle today. We're going to change our launch angle. Um, it, the idea that swinging up is a good thing is like the greatest thing to pitchers of all time, <laughs> except they don't know it. I mean, pitchers have not taken advantage of it at maximum yet. Uh, the top pitching teams in baseball and softball have at the major league level for sure the top five pitching teams who are miles ahead of everybody else, but the top five pitching teams are, are taking advantage of it. And it's, but they're only taking advantage of it a little bit. That's the part that's crazy is they're not fully um, attacking what is the most ridiculous thing ever is the idea that you can swing up at 12 or 14 degrees and hit a pitch that's coming in at two to three degrees. There's just it, the, the the math just doesn't add up on that. Who are the five? Who who'd you say the five, five top baseball teams and the five top softball uh, Division One college softball teams that you would say are using the the EV pitching right now? Well, um, the there's groups that I'm working with um, in softball. Oklahoma's been the top pitching team for a long time. Um, they won the national championship like three out of the last five years. And their their philosophy has been an EV philosophy since like 2012, 13. Hmm. Um, UCLA was the team that won it last year. Um, they, they have their top player. It was the player of the year, back-to-back -back years. And... She she works out at, at my uh, at my home facility with Todd Bucky and um, but I worked with the UCLA softball team two years ago um, pretty extensively on that one of that that being one of the main 
concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, but in baseball, it's basically, um, I would say, oh, in Oregon, too, is, is the other uh, softball team. You're going to see some big advancements with them. Um, they had a rough time because they had so many transfers last year. But, but this next year, when, with the, whenever they get started again, you're going to see some big changes because the Missy Lombardi, who was at Oklahoma, was is now the head coach there. And you're going to see some crazy things happen there, I think, both uh, offensively and defensively, as well as on the mound. But the, um, the, the baseball teams, from my perspective, the obvious Dodgers, um, the Rays, the Astros, the Reds, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough, um, the, the, the Twins, the, the teams that have a really strong effective velocity history, either they, you know, the Rays back in the day, they hired Jim Hickey, who was the first pitching coach that was introduced to the concept of, of EV. And they created like a factory for pitchers at, at, at that place. And the Astros hired Brent Strong, the, the, Reds hired Derek Johnson, um, who's done something maybe that I don't know if anybody's ever done before. He took the Brewers from from really low to virtually the best pitching team and a, a game away from going to the World Series. And then the very next year, do the same thing with the Reds. You know, take them from worst to first, almost first. They were probably third or fourth in ERA last year. And that's just, it's, it's not a coincidence. It happens as a result of people that understand what they're doing with timing. And uh, those, those guys that are all EV-minded pitching coaches in both sports are, have a huge advantage. Simple as that. Right. Now, for those that don't know about EV or uh, they, they've had their head in the sand, I'm sure. But could you give, like, a in a nutshell, like a 10,000, 10, 30,000-foot view of what it <laughs> means, what EV means? Is there any way that you could do that? <laughs> well, it's kind of, um, you know, it's like saying, can you give me a, a, a an overview of math? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but EV on, on the surface is the idea that speed changes depending on where you throw the pitch. So, in other words, it's location-adjusted speed. That's the very lowest definition of it. Meaning, if you throw 90 or 80 or whatever whatever speed you're dealing with, wherever you throw it, as it gets closer to me as a hitter, it speeds up because I have to hit it further out front. As it elevates, I have to I have to hit it further out front. So, when you throw pitches in different parts of the zone, the the speed is adjusted. So, I um, mean, I did this thing um, recently where I had a like a 3D picture of a guy swinging, and and I put it into animation. It, it shows all the pitches coming in. It shows a pitch coming in where the hitter is making contact out in front, and but it also shows the trail of the bat all the way down and through the zone. So there's like uh, 60 bats that you see. Right, and those 3D breakdowns are really is cool. That, is that on your website? I, uh, you know what, I sent it out. I have not added it to my site yet. I think I will, but 
I have not done that yet. Can you get me? Can you send me that over email? I think these guys would love to get their hands. Yeah, on for that. sure. It's a, it's a gift and it's very cool. Oh, it's, beautiful. Okay, so send me that. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, it's a. Um, but what it what it does basically is it takes three pitches coming into the zone, and it separates them into three different locations at three different timings, three different speeds, in three completely different areas. But the bat runs into all three of them. <laughs> it runs into them at different times, but it runs into all three of them. So in other words, the player could could take a swing at any with with the idea that he's going to hit any one of those pitches. Like the the three pitches that I used was um, 93 miles an hour middle way, and then 90 middle middle, and then 86, 87, um, like a cutter inside. So all three of those pitches could even come out of the same tunnel and all end up in three different areas of, of the strike zone. But this one swing is going to run into all three of them. Hmm. And two of them, any two of them, would be by accident, right? Total right. total accident. Not, not him, not the hitter adjusting to those pitches, but just that one swing pass just happens to run into a boatload of, of of different contact points. And pitchers right now, apparently, there was a meeting that I missed that said you're, you're supposed to take your pitches and put them in the worst possible places in order to create the easiest time for hitters <laughs> in the history of Major League Baseball. We're going we're gonna to single-handedly increase the offensive numbers as pitchers. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and it's working. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but, which brings me to another subject, the adjustable swing, right? This idea of a blanket barrel path and that's being taught. And one of the, the most powerful case studies that I've heard you talk about, and we've talked at length on this and uh, pretty good, we've developed a pretty good relationship, friendship over the years, <clears throat> is Mike Trout. So talk a little bit about, yeah. so Mike Trout kind of prototypical adjustable type of swing. So talk about... Uh, because the adjustable swing, uh, those coaches out there will say, oh, we love it because we can look away and we can adjust in or we can look in and adjust away. But what you're saying with EV, if a pitcher is truly doing EV or even accidentally doing it and not even doing it, like you said, like some of these teams where they're not even 100% there, they might even be 40% there, uh, where uh, what is the what happens to a hitter with an adjustable swing, one of the, arguably one of the best in the game, Mike Trout. So talk about that case study. On his ball well, speeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, he loses 20 miles an hour by with the, the pitch that's thrown up and in. I, I did a study recently for a, one of the Zoom um, visuals. I one of the one of the things that I did was was a Mike Trout study, and I've studied him a lot over the years. But he has the approach where he he brings his hands in and he tries to adjust to that pitch. But over time, like in 2018 when I did the study, for that year, his average exit velocity in the up and in part of the strike zone, and that's that's a third of the strike zone. It's not like I'm talking about that tiny little box up and in. Right. Because if we talk about that, that little box up and in, his exit velocity was actually 73 miles an hour. If we're talking about the entire area, which is middle up, middle in, and up and in, those three boxes in the strike zone – his average or his exit velocity that year was 80.8 miles an hour. His, just to con contrast that 
on on the middle way down and away down in middle area of the strike zone, his exit velocity was 101.8. So literally a 21 mile an hour difference mm-hmm. throwing your fastball down and away to him versus up and in. But the league, the league all by itself, if you just look at the entire league, um, there's also a giant difference in the league. And not just in exit velocity, because that's one of the arguments that people have all the time is, well, you know, maybe they hit it harder, but it's a ground ball when they hit those down and away fastballs. <laughs> but the answer is um, no, that's incorrect. Batting average is 14% higher down and away than it is up and in. It's mm-hmm. 10% higher in BABIP, the batting average on balls in play. WOBA, uh, 10%. 13% in X-Woba, 7% in slugging, and 9% in X-Velocity. It's literally ridiculous to say that throwing your fastball down and away has an advantage of any way, shape, or form. And that's just all fastballs. If you look at even what they say, well, if you've got low-spin fastballs, then you really, you're going to have a lot more success at the bottom of the zone. And the answer is... Um, you know, eh, thanks for playing, but no, that's <laughs> 2,000 RPMs or less, like the worst fastballs in the game when it comes to spin rate, there's still an 8%, um, you're 8% better off throwing it at the top of the zone versus the bottom, and 11% in the, the, the batting average on balls in play, 6% on WOBA, 7% on XWOBA, 9% on slugging percentage and the same 9% on exit velocity. There is no, it, it's, there are some made up analytic numbers that don't take into account some of the hard hit stuff that could possibly be better. I don't, I don't really follow it all that closely, but the ones that matter, throwing the pitch at the bottom of the strike zone is, is a gift with, when we're talking about fastballs. Well, and hitters are taking advantage of that. And you and you call that a hanging a fastball. So a lot yeah. of people talk talk about hanging a curveball being up in the zone. Well, you talk about that as hanging a fastball when they throw it, locate it down, down and away. Yeah, and it's it's by far it's like ten times in with in some cases it's it's between two and ten times worse than any of the other pitches. <laughs> and meaning. You're gonna get a you're gonna get away with a hanging slider way more often than you're gonna get away with a hanging fastball. And and that's interesting because if you think about fast pitch softball and the rise ball, the kind of the <clears throat> the little niche that the rise balls carved out, and and we can argue whether a ball rises or not or whatever, but really a rise ball is a fastball up in the zone. So yeah. one of the other eyebrow raisers in talking to you in some of our conversations was talking about Jacob deGrom. When he changed, talk about when he changed. The one thing he changed and what that changed, that cascading effect, how that, how that helped him the next year. Well, he went from basically averaging an, a middle-away fastball. Like when you look at a pitcher and you look at how they used their fastball the entire year on StatCast, it shows it in the form of a um, – yeah, a bunch of different ways, but you but you can look at this one graph that's uh, a heat map, and the heat map just shows where the epicenter is, and then you know it's like a dark brown or red in that area or black even, and then it starts to get orange, and then it starts to get kind of like yellow as it 
as they use it less and less in those areas, right? Mm-hmm. But the epicenter of where he threw it in the previous year was, was middle away. So if you take 96, 97 miles an hour, and you do the math of your average fastball is now 92 or 93, and then you all of a sudden elevate your fastball to where the epicenter is up above that diagonal in EV, there's a diagonal that as soon as you get above that, it starts gaining speed. So his fastball at 96 is now 97, 98. And so if he's averaging a couple miles an hour greater than what he's throwing it, it, it immediately increases the reactionary time. So the hitter has less time to react to the pitch. Plus, there's a bunch of other stuff that happens. Um, the, the speed differential between the other pitches gets bigger. The visual gets bigger because now you can hide slider and change up and, and off, off the same tunnel, which is basically the, the look of the pitch out of the hand. So all of his other off-speed pitches now look like fastballs but end up being at a much lower reactionary time. Um, in, in essence, if you think about speed like this, this is probably the easiest way to, to understand what hitters are doing and why they're getting away with it. Um, one, like a one is an inside fastball, an elevated fastball. So like the Mike Trout example, if you look at the up and in, middle in, and uh, middle up part of the strike zone, and you consider those ones, and then you consider the fastballs away, twos. And then you consider hard off-speed pitches, threes, like a slider, cutter, you know, hard change-up, that kind of thing. And then you consider the off-speed, slowest off-speed pitches as fours. Right now, Major League Baseball is throwing about 71% twos and threes. <laughs> In other words, the, the pitches that are easiest to reach and I, and I would I would have any of your people that are coaches do this simple little test and you and I talked about this before but you take you take your hitters and you throw 10 pitches in a row hopefully you can get active velocity with this hopefully you can get recording you can record it but throw 10 pitches in a row tell them here comes ones and have them call out one as they hit it and so they start smoking this pitch because they're expecting it right yeah and then you give them 10 twos in a row, which is fastball away, and you gear them to it and let them get acclimated to it, and they crush it. And then you give them 10 threes in a row. Let's just say you're going to hang a slider or you're going to throw a slider kind of middle. Um, and, and so they're, they're dealing with a hard off-speed pitch, and they know it's coming, and so they smash that. And then you give them a slow, loopy curveball, and they smash that. And so now they've, they've gone through and they've, they've, they've hit ones, twos, threes, and fours, smashed them all. And now you tell them, okay, I want you to swing at every strike. So now I'm going to mix those ones, twos, threes, and fours. <laughs> and when you do this test, it's so simple. And as long as you randomly mix the pitches up fairly well, you're going to find the same thing that I found 10,000 times probably in my lifetime, is that when you do this test, Every hitter, regardless of level, they, they, they focus on the pitches that they see the most, and then they go right to the middle of all of those pitches, which is halfway between twos and threes. So which pitches do you think they hit well when you do this test, right? They, 
they crushed season three. Yep. Yeah, and they're early on <clears throat> fours and they're late on ones to one degree or another. And what it shows is simply that hitters can handle about about one and a half or two numbers. And where they place their attention is where they can cover those numbers. So like uh, like my trout one year, 2014, on ones, he had about an 050 hard hit ball rate. <laughs> mm -hmm. He had no damage. And so even though he hit pretty well against fastballs in general, it was the twos, that version of the fastball that he crushed. And his, I think his hard hit ball rate was like 327 on the threes and about 367 on the fours on slow curveballs, which is primarily the four. Um, the very next year, after getting blasted for a while up and in, he kind of switched his focus, right? And he actually did some damage on fastballs up and in. His hard hit ball rate went to like 160 or something, which is a significant increase. And and then he, he actually went up in his twos also. But his threes went down significantly, and his fours went from 367 to, to virtually zero. So in other words, huh. he, he moved his attention to a different place for a period of time. But there was a cost. There's always a cost because nobody can handle all four numbers, and no one can handle even three numbers or even two numbers realistically when they're easy efficient, meaning they come in on the same tunnel and they have more than six or seven miles an hour between them. Nobody handles that. Zero hitters. It just does not happen. And there's all kinds of, of statistics backing that, but, but Mike Trout is one of those really good examples. He's, he's unbelievable. But he's also a product of the fact that pitchers are living on twos and threes. And it's the pitch that it's the two pitches that are the by far in a way the easiest pitch easiest pitches for guys that have one mindset one one size fits all hitting approach and as you call it the pitchers just throwing balls into barrels yeah yeah because think about it I mean, what, what's what's happening when you, when you do the when you do the actual math of ones twos threes and fours ones come in at you know in the, in the big leagues the reactionary time is somewhere between 96 and 105 EV miles an hour. And and the pitch is at like one, two, three degrees flat at the top of the zone. And, and so the reactionary time tremendously increases, and the bat is now heading towards, uh, Brent Strom said it perfect when somebody asked him about EV. He said, um, in one of these Zoom things, it was awesome. They asked him, well, what, how do you fix, how do, what, how do you implement EV? And he goes, well, you start by going to Perry Hudson's website. <laughs> <laughs> and I used them extensively when, when I first started with the with the Astros. And, and, and he goes, well, just think about it like this. You're throwing a sinker, you're a right-handed pitcher, and you're throwing a sinker to a left-handed batter. Seems like it would work great, right? But a sinker that's a strike is going to look middle-middle to the hitter. And then all of a sudden, it starts moving away from this lefty hitter, so it's getting slower, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also moving down towards where the barrel is going to hang out. And so the hardest hit balls, by far, happen in that circumstance because the hitter sees the pitch as middle. It's almost like it fools him into 
the the area that he's going to um, be the most prepared to hit is that area where the sinker runs into. And the opposite is when you take that same sinker and you throw it at the top of the zone against a righty. Now, instead of heading towards the fast part of the barrel at the slowest possible time, it's heading toward the handle at the <laughs> fastest period of time. <laughs> and so all things point to the fact that that zero, and I mean absolutely zero, accidental hard contact happens at the top of the zone with a hard fastball. But it happens every night with fastballs at the bottom of the zone. Right. Guys run into pitches all the time. But that never happens up and in. You can only hit that when you, when you plan on it and you, you sit on it and attack it. Right. And to close that thread on Jacob deGrom, I think you told me that when he changed just one thing, it was just throwing the yeah. fastball up in the zone, I think he dropped his ERA by like half. It went like four-something to two. Uh, so I, I, He was I, under two. Under he two. was under two. Under was, two. Was, there were two guys that year under two, and they both did the same thing. Blake Snell did the same thing in the minor leagues. Yeah. I mean, in the, I'm sorry, in the American League. He, he did the same exact thing. He added... He added EV miles per hour to his fastball by just locating it higher, and and it changed him his game as well. He I think he had like a one eight nine, and Degrom was like one seven zero something stupid like that. It was it was well under two. Wow. Well, we only have a couple more uh, two more minutes, Perry, and I want to be respectful of your time. Where can people find you? Uh, whether it's the socials website, um, and if and uh, if you can throw that in real quick, and then anything new that you got going on right now that they, they well, I'm about to launch. I'm about to launch um, a new YouTube channel, and it's basically um, we'll, we'll figure it out. But it'll be a, it'll just be called Effective Velocity. You can reach me at hittingasaguest.com, all of the website stuff, and then um, at EV Perry Husband on Twitter. Uh, I haven't done a bunch lately, but I'll do more coming up soon. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a YouTube channel. I know we were talking about that a while back, but you know, everything with yeah. this whole thing hit and it kind of pushed some things back project wise, I'm sure. Um, but I, I can't, I can't talk highly, more highly of Perry, uh, especially since we, the last couple of years that we've met and talked and chatted and stuff. And Perry's stuff is far beyond. It's got, uh, two, almost, what, three decades of research behind it, and there's a lot of you know, posers out there that, that don't give credit to Perry that should be given credit. So if you <laughs> if you want the real deal, you got, you got to come to Perry, whether it's his website, the new YouTube channel coming. He's already got a YouTube channel if you put in, I think, what, Perry Husband. You can even probably put in Effective Velocity in YouTube, and he'll his, his old stuff will come up, which he's got some great videos. But I, I can't talk more highly of Perry, and if you – whether you're a hitting coach or a pitching coach out there, pitching coach is obviously the effective velocity stuff. If you get your pitchers into that, even elementary, the 101, EV 101 or 202 or whatever, your pitchers are going to be much more effective than they were just kind of shooting, throwing darts in the dark. Uh, and you hitting coaches out there will benefit big time, like myself, from learning how Perry's attacking hitters. And it'll give you an idea of, okay, here's what's coming. And if we face a pitcher who is EV effective or efficient, then you, you kind of know you have a little bit better of a game plan than just shooting, uh, again, throwing those darts in the dark. Um, but, Perry, I can't talk any, 
any more highly. The guy is the guy is great. Uh, so Perry, thank you for joining us on at Swing Smarter uh, newsletter monthly for the third edition. And I'm sure we're going to do more of these. But thank you for your time today, brother. Very cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words, and we'll catch up uh, soon. You got it, brother.